promotion is worth so much more than the money. Content is still king. Social media is completely your brand. The social media is acting as a catch net. Welcome back to the Music Marketing Podcast. Today we're joined with Daniel Herman from DistroKid. Hi, Daniel. Hi, how are you guys doing? Good, Good thanks. thanks. How are you? I'm good. It's uh, quote unquote bright, bright and early here in Seattle today. <laughs> nice. So it's 10 a.m. over here. <clears throat> cool. I mean, we talk about DistroKid all the time. Mm -hmm. We basically say that they're one of our favorite distributors. Um, so thanks for joining us today. Um, it'll be good to tell our listeners sort of what you actually do at DistroKid. Sure. Um, so I was DistroKid's first employee. Uh, mm -hmm. I started in 2016, uh, early 2016. Uh, I was, am, still am, a songwriter and I was recording, a, I was releasing a record and I was like, I'm going to try, try using DistroKid. Everyone's talking about it. Um, I didn't know too much, and so I uploaded it, and I had a capitalization issue. Uh, so I emailed what I thought was support, but was actually just the founder. And he's like, hey, no one's ever brought that to my attention. I built this tool for you. I was like, oh my god, that's amazing. So um, I was like, if you need any help, I'd love to, to help. And he didn't need any at that time, and then a year later, um, we connected, and I came on board. And so I started out doing <clears throat> customer service, and then... Uh, moved into quality control, and then started managing the quality control team, and also doing sponsorships and marketing stuff, which is how we connected. Um, and now I'm only focused on doing marketing and sponsorship stuff. So. Mm -hmm. Nice. And for those yeah, who so don't know, kind of doing a lot of everything, and then you know, yeah, we we went from two employees to to we're about you know forty now, which is pretty nice. insane. Nice. For those who don't know and that are living under a rock, do you want to explain what District Kid actually do? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry if I missed that part of the question. <laughs> um, yeah. So DistroKid is a digital music distributor or mm -hmm. aggregator. Um, currently, there's no way for people to just um, call up iTunes or Spotify and say, put my music out there. So um, the best way to do it is to use a distributor such as DistroKid, who you upload your music and it'll, um, you choose the, the DSPs or the stores or the streaming platforms that you want and the music will be populated out to them. Um, and then we collect um, the payments from the stores, stores send us the money and we send 100% straight to the artists. Um, traditionally, a lot of uh, distributors, you pay per upload and then they'll take commission. We don't do any of that. You pay a yearly fee of around $20 US. Um, for the entry uh, level kind of plan. It's called Musician for one artist name. Um, and then that's it. That's yeah. an easy deal. You can upload as much as you want and keep all your money. And what happened there? So like, how, <laughs> how, how does DistroKid exist as a, as a company? I've always wanted to know this because we are going to put this podcast live on YouTube and we will upload it directly and there's, there's, no, there's no middleman and we get, we get paid from YouTube all right, it's probably going to be like 10p per video or whatever, but sure. that there is no middleman. Why is music different and why does it need a, a distributors like DistroKid? Man, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> it probably started out with major labels, you know, like yeah. everyone wanting a piece of piece of the, the artist's revenue. Um, and I think 
you know, for a long time before digital streaming started or even iTunes started in 2004, I believe, you know, you would have to have a distributor to get your CDs or records into, you know, Virgin or Sam Goody or whatever, um, or the local store that you were using, or you were doing it on consignment, which I guess kind of is what um, digital distribution is now. Like anyone can sell their stuff to the CD to the CD stores on consignment. Um, so I think it really, <clears throat> in a weird way, takes the middleman out but adds another one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's definitely way more artist friendly now than it was. Um, you know, even. You know, ten years ago, because artists have total control over everything, which which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, labels use DistroKid. Labels um, still exist because some people want you know that marketing budget, which can, labels can provide. Um, that you know, a lot of people just doing stuff on their own can't afford. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but yeah, it, no, it does answer. You actually, <laughs> yeah, you answered one of my other questions. I was going to say. Because of distributors like DistroKid, is there any point in these labels? And I mean, you kind of answered that in yourself. Do you believe that the labels are only sort of there because they have that money, because they have that budget to provide the artists? I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they have resources that, you know, I can't tap into as a independent songwriter. I can't, I don't have huge connections with booking agents or, um, you know, radio publicity or marketing. Uh, and if I did, I'd be paying tremendous amount of money out of my own pocket to do that stuff. Mm. Um, you know, companies like DistroKid exist. So we, we make the, the process of distribution inexpensive and easy, and you can take those funds and that energy and put it towards whatever you want versus having to pay a huge chunk of money and then have that cut into like whatever your marketing budget is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think labels will probably always have a place, maybe not the, the giant ones, but um, you know, labels like Sub Pop or 4AD or something that you know, is still cool, that has a big group of artists that's more of a community and a lot of those bands you know, tour together and they have a budget to be able to promote that just you know, someone like myself doesn't have mm-hmm. <clears throat> and yeah. it's still attractive you know i think to to bands you know or or you, you know you, you know young hip-hop artists i think there's still a, a attractiveness to being signed to a cool a cool label oh 100 we we recently went to a music week tech summit and the uh founder of amuse was there um probably competition oh, yeah. for you guys mm-hmm. um yeah and he was saying that he tried to sign in on last x and he wanted to go with columbia and it mm-hmm. may have been because of the money, but it was more likely to be because it was just a name. And I think that would probably always be a thing, that the, the label names are the exciting part. So if an independent artist is making a fortune by going through DistroKid and they got offered label support, they'd probably take it just to say that they were signed to a major mm-hmm. label. I think that's something that will probably stay around yeah. for quite a while. Um, well, go. go for it. No. I was going <laughs> to say artists that have I, I, used DistroKid that have jumped off to major labels too. Yeah. Um, like 21 Savage, his first couple records were released through DistroKid and now yeah. he's on a major. And, um, you know, they just offer advances and recording budgets and stuff that, you know, you can't mm. do on your own generally. Yeah. What happens when an artist gets signed then? So um, I've got two questions. One is uh, royalties, kind of where do you collect royalties from? And, and, and a similar question when an artist gets signed to a uh, label from DistroKid, what happens to those royalties? So there's two two questions there. 
Uh, sure. Um, I'll try not to step in anything crazy here, but mm-hmm. with the, the first question, I believe, was what type of royalties we collect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the answer that we always give is um, whatever the stores send us uh, or whatever the DSPs send us, we give to the artists. You know, some things like um, TikTok is still in beta, so we're not exactly sure, you know, how that payment program is going to work. Is Are they being paid every time someone streams it or if it gets if someone just leaves it on their phone for you know 20 minutes and it just repeats that 15 seconds of song how long how are, how are those royalties going to be paid out we're not sure yet we just wanted to get that arrangement in place um for artists to get their music out there but it's always depends on the store or i say the store when you know streaming service you know spotify i count as a store i guess as well um what they send us, we just route directly to the artist. Um, we don't have any say in like negotiating those kind of rates or anything like that. So. Mm-hmm. And then, well, I'm sorry, what was the second? And, um, the second question uh, was, what happens when an artist gets signed? So, so the the reason I ask is sometimes we um, we promote artists by whitelisting YouTube channels so they can use the track in a YouTube channel, and we've had YouTubers come back to us and say, well. Yeah, I really like the idea of that using tra- like really high quality tracks and you whitelist my channel. However, what ends up happening is they get signed to a major label and the major label says, I want to collect royalties from everything you've got going on now. And then I have to give up my, I get content ID'd. So uh, my, my question was, what happens when a major label signs an artist? What happens to those existing royalties? What's the deal there? I think it really depends on their contract. Um, we have artists who are on major labels for their newer stuff, but keep their legacy stuff through uploaded through DistroKid. And so then they have an agreement worked out with whomever signed them. They pro- they may route a percentage of their earnings to that you know entity. Um, some I, I doubt that that's the case most often, um, but we have a, fun- a feature called Teams, which is allows you to route um, whatever percentage of royalties you want to or earnings what to anyone so if the three of us started a band i could say we're splitting it you know 33 by 33 each way and i would give all of you that and then you just have a district hit account and you collect those royalties or earnings and you don't have to you know do anything um so i think there may be some arrangements like that but also um you know we've seen cases where the label makes them take all of their stuff down and they redistribute it, you know, through their, through their label or through like an imprint in the label or whatever, or some people's back catalogs will still remain through DistroKid. And, you know, if you cancel your account, you can still um, collect earnings as long as they're being distributed out. So, you know, for example, if, you know, if, if you pull your release down, It, it take it can take stores a few months to get those earnings to us. So your your account is still active, and and anything that continues to get sent will just stay in your account, and then you can withdraw it at any time. Um, so I think it just really depends on whatever contract the artist has with with a, a major or you know independent label that they sign to. Hmm. <clears throat> I think the everything is so you know in a great way. I think artist friendly at this point that yeah. a lot of independent labels probably want their artists to be happy and they don't necessarily want like a chunk of a release that they had nothing to do with, Mm -hmm. you know, that the the artist released 10 or 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, On the flip side of that too, we also, 
have a lot of legacy artists who are released from their contract with their major label um, or their independent label, and they release their back catalog through us, which is awesome. Hmm. You know, a lot of my favorite bands are releasing stuff that they put out in the 90s on, on big labels that are now they don't have any sort of contract and they can do whatever they want with it. So we, they come to us. And it makes total sense because they can now finally get all the money that they've, yeah. they've been missing in the past. So We get a lot of artists who ask which distributor they should use, which is best. If you looked at them, if you just glanced over them, they all look very, very similar. And obviously you're biased towards DistroKid, you work for DistroKid. Sure. So I suppose now is your opportunity to, to pitch DistroKid, what makes them different, what to look out for in a, di a good distributor, what to look out for in a bad distributor. So what, how do you decide which distributor to use and kind of what makes DistroKid different? Totally. Um, well, I can just, I can speak from experience and then talk about a little bit about other distributors too. I was using a competitor for my first, you know, eight re releases and realized I wasn't making enough money to recoup just the cost of uploading it per year, which was around 40 to $50 at that time. And then there was also losing 10% on each, you know, download or stream. Um, and to me, that just became a no brainer. You know, so many artists can't afford to just release music in the way the current environment is you know it's all singles based versus album based i'm a i'm an old dude and i like to you know put songs together and then release it as a big thing but that's just not how the world really works anymore um, which is fine and i think DistroKid's a perfect platform for that because you can release a single a week you know we have a lot of youtube content creators you a lot of video game soundtrack people that that constantly push out content and so You'd never be able to afford to do that on a competitor who's charging per upload. Mm. And some that don't charge per upload, they still have a thing where they can charge you per, you know, or they'll take a commission from your earnings. Um, we don't have any gotcha moments. You know, mm -hmm. we don't have any hidden hidden stuff. Um, we have a la carte things that you can add to your release. For example, um, you know, Content ID is one of them. Um, Shazam and Siri, other things, but there's never a hidden hidden fee. Um, we'll see these new distributors come up, or even some older ones who are like free distribution, and then you like read the email, and at the very bottom, it's like the tiniest paragraph of all time, you know, with all this stuff that like people then sign up for the service and then realize, oh, I've been shelling out a certain amount that I thought I was paying, but there ends up being extra fees. Um, we just want to be fair to the artists and. Um, I think that uh, we have a pretty good track record. We, um, we, my thing is paying artists for what they have, what they deserve. And um, I think, frankly, I think we're the only company out there that's doing it. Hmm. Um, I, again, you said, I am, a, I am a little biased, but I just, mm -hmm. I, I always feel bad when, when artists you know, kind of get tricked into, into different things and, and there's no tricks with this circuit. From, from your end, is it more Spotify that is, is bringing in the royalties for artists or, or are the bigger artists making money from other places like YouTube and Apple Music and things? I think um, I can't really speak to, you know, who, who cuts the biggest check every month. But um, I, I will say that streaming is far more lucrative now than, you know, sales, mm -hmm. um, which honestly is... T makes total sense. Um, Which you know, I, was, I still think it comes as a shock to a lot of people, yeah. a lot of artists. Totally. 
well, when you think about it, <clears throat> this is a thing that like I'll I'll explain to my my mom and and she still doesn't get it. <laughs> uh, it's like it's like I had an album. You bought it on iTunes for ten dollars. That's the end of that revenue stream for me. No matter how often you play it on your iPad or you know through your your Sonos or whatever, that's it. But now it's different. Every time you buy, you listen to the album, I'm getting paid. The artist is getting paid. All the contributors who are on my team are getting paid forever until I decide to take that down. So um, I don't make a ton of money from my own music, uh, but I will tell you now, I haven't been super active in probably two years. I'm making more monthly than I was making when I was hustling, mm -hmm. selling CDs at shows and selling stuff through iTunes just because there are so many platforms out there and you know you may use Spotify you may prefer Apple Music it behooves the artist to get their shit into every app, every channel because there's someone out there using Angami there's someone out there only streaming their music on YouTube so if you say well I don't think that blah 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 pays enough well you may there may be an artist or an audience out there that's listening to a ton of music on there that you're just missing out on so mm -hmm. I think that it's about pushing content out and making sure that it's available to every single person, no matter what platform they choose to use. Mm -hmm. I think uh, dist I also think that what's amazing about DistroKid is I, I think you're the first distributor to offer uh, artists the uh, being able to put their music on TikTok. Is that right? You're you're the first distributor to do it. First and as of this morning, only, I think still the, the only. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, which is pretty nuts. Yeah, um, it's amazing because we actually did a video, I think probably about three months ago now, um, talking yeah. about getting a, getting a track on TikTok and how to promote it. And we kept getting asked, how can I get my track on TikTok? And I didn't realize that not all the music was actually on there. I thought it might have been linked to Apple Music, to Spotify. And the more we looked into it, we couldn't work out how artists could actually do it. And it was it was fascinating to think that it's so in demand, but no one was offering it. And the fact that District are the first ones to offer it is absolutely fantastic. Mm. Um, what made you guys do it? Is it because you're so, you're a musician yourself? So was it because you were hearing so many people talking about it? Was it because the platform's obviously growing rapidly? What was it that really pushed you guys to do it? I think it was um, all of those things. And, yeah. and if we didn't do it, someone else was going to beat us yeah. to it. And <laughs> it's just important. I mean, it's just another thing that, you know, this is where people are consuming content and this is where people are hearing music for the first time. And, and we wouldn't be treating our artists fairly um, if we weren't offering the option to get on there. Um, is it in demand? Is it is there been a lot of demand, a lot of people asking for it? Oh, for sure. And people were asking for it for, you know, months before we launched it. Um, so, you know, we get a lot of people writing into customer service saying like, It'd be cool if you could have this store because this is where I listen to music. And we're like, we've never heard of that. See, as I was saying, a lot of people listen to music on things that like you would never expect. Um, my Zune player is still. From the, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, yeah, so we knew about it, and we were, you know, these these things take a long time. Uh, there's a lot of contracts work that goes into it. Um, and I'm, I'm super stoked that we were able to get it out as quickly as quickly and people have been eating it up and people are really excited about it. So, mm -hmm. 
Um, as am I, but I, I still don't know how TikTok works. <laughs> oh no, don't, don't get on it, you'll get obsessed. We, well, I for one, I'm obsessed yeah. with it. You end up opening the, the platform and you end up being on it for about three hours. So <laughs> save yourself some time and don't download oh it. Oh my God. Um, have you guys got any predictions for kind of what's gonna be coming next? Obviously, TikTok seems to be the one that everyone's hot on at the moment, they're keeping their eye on. Have you got any predictions for future platforms? You know, I'm not sure about platforms, but one conversation that we have a lot about a lot is, you know, what's what's the next for for just streaming in general mm -hmm. and or music in general. And I really think that it's um, really fine tuned playlists for you. You know, for example, if you based on, you know, geolocation, you know, if you're if you're wearing an Apple Watch and they know that your heart rate's at a, you know, a certain certain blah 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 spotify could curate a playlist that that says oh you're working out here here's 25 minutes of music or if you're driving home from work on a friday you know your gps knows your car car stereo knows oh this is the same route i've been doing so google play curates a playlist for that that type of route or like mm -hmm. to decompress from your day i really think that kind of stuff really targeted um targeted things are going to be the future um that's about as far as I've thought about as as far as I've thought about it. I mean, there we think about it a lot, but that's where we've that's where I've landed is uh, really just because that data I think is you know it's obviously being collected, mm. and so companies are going to use it for you know to make the the experience for the the listener better. Cool. I hope I mean, that I, answered your question. Yeah, it did yeah. answer your question. Thanks. Uh, and one thing that artists that we work with and, and we speak to who are obsessed with pre-saves at the moment and yeah. <laughs> and I, I think a lot of people and correct me if i'm wrong think that pre-saves are like an inbuilt spotify like a, a feature native to spotify and it, it's not it is something that's been built by the distributors in order to get people to automatically save the track via their account am i firstly am i right in, in saying that I believe so. I'm not a tech guy. I don't, yeah. although I work in tech, I don't write code or anything. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure how the back end works, uh, but we do a thing, have a service called Hyperfollow, which as soon as mm -hmm. you upload, you get your Hyperfollow link, and that will include the option to add the release on, on Spotify for pre save. Um, and so then, it's, if people don't know, that's what, what happens is, um, let's say, you're you're releasing a track and you put it in your you know Instagram story or or your bio. I click that link and it gives me the option to like pre-save it. If the release isn't out, for example, um, the it'll say pre-save this, and then when the release comes out, you will um, have it in your library automatically. You don't have to remember like oh today's release day. I have to go searching for this which is pretty awesome. You know, it's kind of like doing the work two weeks out and then being reminded, you know, happily on the, on the day that something comes out that there it is. So, so, so you, you do recommend that artists should try and really push those pre-saves or do you think it mainly the pushing should happen uh, after the release? No, I think, you know, pre-saves I think are really important um, because, you know, you want to get out in front of all the other people that are putting out re re records that day or CDs or sorry, not CDs, singles that day. Um, and again, it's just another thing to um, grab people's attention. 
you know, the page looks nice, and then, you, you know, it's done. Sorry, my dog's looking over the other one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a, uh, I was like, oh, making sure she's okay. Um, yeah, I think it's just another tool that everyone, I think everyone should be using. You know, upload your stuff early. You can start putting, you know, you'll get that link. You can put it on your social media, put it on your, your Facebook band page, and then the longer and promote it if you want and the longer it's out there the more people are going to listen to your release as soon as that as soon as it comes out um i always tell people upload your stuff early because especially through spotify for artists um artists are now empowered to um pitch to playlists from within spotify for artists uh my my band my my punk band we released a record last year and we um, pitched two songs through um, that were our singles prior to the release coming out um, directly from spot through Spotify for artists, and they got added to one one song got added to a, a, a punk playlist uh, curated by Spotify. Um, so you have to have it um, uploaded at least four weeks before the release date, and then um, I I just feel like that's a better experience overall for everyone because you are able to then promote your hyperfollow you know link and get more people talking about the release before it even comes out and the potential I'm, to get added onto curated playlists I'm Sorry, so pleased you, I'm so pleased you said 4 weeks before the release yeah. we get so much shit on uh, on oh our God, social media <laughs> about we say four weeks before the release and then apparently Spotify on their page say 7, seven days. days yeah yeah and let's well, our answer to that is imagine how many songs get submitted to Spotify every single day. Yeah. You need to give them some time. Totally. And you never know, you know, you may want to swap out your artwork or, or, you know, there may be a processing issue on, on unlikely on our side, but there could be an ingestion <laughs> issue on a store's side or something. So mm. you want to take in, you want to try to prevent anything bad from happening. And the way to do that is to give stores time to ingest it and just and and like the perfect reason for that is is hyper follow and using that that link to promote your release way before it comes out and getting people excited about it mm -hmm. so and, yeah and i think four weeks four weeks has always been the thing that i tell people yeah us too definitely <laughs> <laughs> and just just to finish off do you have any tips for anyone following uh Filling in the artist inform um, artist information form, the uh, Spotify for artists it. form. Do you have any tips for that? Because obviously, it's kind of new. There's lots of different options. Most people just check every single possible box they can and write a pitch. Do you have any tips for anyone on that? I would say you know don't cast a wide net. Be very specific. You know, people that are like I listen to everything. They don't really listen to, they don't really care about the one thing, you know? Um, so I would say have a really well-crafted short bio that tells an amazing story about, you know, your history. Or if you're new, then tell us why we, or not us, but tell Spotify why they should listen to it. And just be genuine and speak from the heart and have a great track and have great artwork. You know, I, I think all of this plays in together. You could have a killer track, but like, a shitty piece of art that's like pixelated and blah, 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 blah. Well, it would never get to stores if they used DistroKid because we would have had them replace it because um, <laughs> we want to send the highest quality stuff over to stores. But um, just have all your ducks in a row when you're ready to pitch to Spotify or anyone for playlisting. Um, because as you said, man, everyone's trying to do it. Yeah. So you got you to gotta make yourself rise above you know, everyone else. Yeah, art, for us, artwork keeps coming up again and again. Like we honestly, like three 
to four months ago, we didn't even think that artwork would be a thing for Spotify official playlists. But now we're, we're kind of seeing that artwork and a band's image is huge for Spotify as a platform. Do, do you see that as well? Are you talking about like um, uploading your your pictures or whatever for yeah. your profile yeah. page, not just like the artwork for your um, yeah, album artwork, release. about section, bio, things like that, just general overall image. Do you think it helps for getting on Spotify official playlists? I don't know if it helps for, um, you know, official playlisting. I think having good artwork, you know, is important just for your overall aesthetic. But I don't think having like a bunch of, you know, f you know, band photos or, or DJ photos or whatever on your page is going to make Spotify think, you know, this one way or the other. Mm, um, yeah. I don't, I don't work for Spotify. Spotify. I don't curate playlists. Um, I, I like to believe that they, they choose it on overall aesthetic, well-written bio and just a great track, just mm. a great track. Um, you know, our band had like one po picture uploaded, but we all had played in bands that had some relative success. And I think we had a great song. And so that all kind of played into our bio and, and we got selected and, and it was uh, it was surprising, but it was uh, to me it was like oh holy shit this works, you know <laughs> like someone's actually listening to stuff, you know. Mm. So. Nice. I hope that I ends. Think it a, I think that's yeah. a good place to end it. But before we end it, I do oh, yeah. I I do actually want to mention that we at Burstam are completely completely impartial, and we asked Dan to be on the podcast. Yeah. So this isn't a sponsored video by DistroKid. We haven't been paid at all. We haven't been incentivized at all to have DistroKid and we always remain impartial. So um, I thought it was worth mentioning that as well. Yeah. This isn't a sponsored video. Especially as we literally mention DistroKid all the time. People must yeah. think we're worth fortune. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, no, um, thank you. Cool. Thanks for, thanks for coming on, Daniel. It was, it's been really useful. I think it will help a lot of artists. Um, awesome. Can people find you online anywhere? Do you have like an Instagram um, account, Twitter? I don't. I'm a I'm kind of a lot uh, kind of a luddite. Um, I am. A, follow DistroKid then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Please just check out DistroKid anywhere yeah. that you do your socials. Um, we have a really great. Our CEO is awesome, and he he posts really great videos to our our uh, Instagram page, and our Twitter feed is always hilarious. So <laughs> you can't go wrong with either of those. Cool. Nice. Well, thanks for coming on. If you're listening to this as a podcast, make sure to subscribe, leave a review if you can. And if you're watching this as a YouTube video, make sure to hit that like button and subscribe and we'll see you in the next one.